Welcome to the Friday press conference ahead of the 2019 Russian Grand Prix. Joining us today from left to right, we have Paul Monaghan, Laurent Mekies, James Allison and Mario Isla. Laurent, if we could start with you, please. Um, Ferrari have had a tremendous run since the summer break, but can we start by talking about the Singapore Grand Prix? Um, lots of upgrades on your car. Were you surprised, at all surprised, by the impact they had? Well, you know, like you said, we, we brought a lot of uh, new parts to, uh, to Singapore, so you're always uh, hoping that they will perform at best. Um, if, if anything, yes, we were a bit surprised to, um, to be able to close the gap as much, as much as we did. Nonetheless, we are conscious that the, the gaps are very small. Uh, these guys or these guys could have won the race uh, equally, so it was just good to be back in the, back in the fight yet there. And, um, and here, I guess, we'll have another uh, good uh, data point to understand if this is going to be uh, the case everywhere or if it's going to be uh, a lot more work needed. How tight was the call to pit Sebastian on lap 19? What did you see on the data that led to that decision? You know, I think from a strategy point of view, it was it was uh, uh, clear that we uh, we had to pit that lap, and that's the call that the guys made, and, and that was uh, that was good. Obviously, what surprised uh, everybody is that is that the undercut, so-called now, was very very powerful, and to the extent that we actually and ended up having Sebastian not only in front of Lewis but also in front of of Charles. Um, but I think uh, I think the important thing is that it, it put both our cars in, in the lead. Thank you, Laurent. I'll come back to you in a minute. James, while we're talking about Singapore, it was clear to Ferrari to pit Sebastian on lap 19. Why didn't you do the same? Well, uh, it it's wasn't maybe quite as clear to us. And uh, I think the thing that surprised Laurent also surprised us, which is just the dramatic power of that undercut. Um, and uh, had, we, had we better anticipated that, then it would have been clear also to us. Can we expect a more aggressive strategy from Mercedes this weekend? Uh, no, not necessarily. I think, we, I think everyone tries to play the strategy uh, like a game of poker. You try to line the odds up in your favour. You can't, you can't make a winning move at every turn. You just try to do the thing that, that nine times out of ten is going to play out correctly. And that's not really a matter of aggression or being passive. It's, it's just trying to figure out what what is the best likely outcome? And did your car perform in line with expectations in Singapore? Uh, no, we were taken aback by the pace of our competition. It's an annoying business, Formula One. You can think you're going to be good and then find that you get a whipping. Um, we were pretty much where we thought we'd be on race pace, but in Singapore, if you don't put it on pole, then you, you line up to be beaten, and that's, that's what, what happened. Thank you, James. Come back to you in a minute. Paul, while we're talking Singapore, you saw what Ferrari saw. Um, how clear was it to you to pit Max on the same lap as Sebastian? Uh, pretty clear. Um, Max was quite vocal in his assessment of the situation we found ourselves in, so we, uh, we got on with it and pitted him. You went to Singapore as one of the pre-race favourites, so was your car performing in line with expectations? or? Well, it depends how you claim your expectations. Uh, we were not as quick as we'd hoped to be relative to our opposition. So if our car performed to its limit, the others were better than us. Um, a little bit disappointed. And uh, you look your wounds and move on, don't you? You dwell on the race, you, you learn from it. And we hope we bring the lessons here in subsequent races and into next year. 
Thanks, Paul. We'll come back to you. While we're talking Singapore, Mario, just a quick question for you. Did the three safety car periods help to keep the hard tyre alive? Without it, without them, would it have been a two-stop race? Uh, it's difficult to reply to, you, to your question because, as usual, the hard tyre is not tested uh, for long stints during the free practice. So we can just make estimation, but... Uh, it happens often during the race that we have a different scenario. So yes, on the paper, uh, it should have lasted for all the race, but uh, in terms of performance and keeping the performance at the, the end of the race is difficult. Obviously, the safety car is helping the uh, performance life of the tire. Um, with a hard tire, it could have been difficult to uh, switch on the tire, the uh, worn tire after the safety car, but they were able to do that. So happy with the final result. Thank you, Mario. Laurent, back to you. Any reason to think you can't make it four in a row this weekend? Well, you know, as, as we said, uh, Singapore was for sure good results. And, and you said also uh, Spa and Monza were, were also good races. But if, if you look carefully, uh, it was extremely tight in Spa. Uh, that's the reality of it. It was extremely tight in Monza. We had these guys behind us for 50 laps. Um, it was better than expected in Singapore with everything that is so specific about Singapore. So. Here will be, I guess, a real answer for us when it comes to uh, what's going to be the pace from now to the end of the season. And James, this weekend, your competitiveness relative to Ferrari in particular? Well, I think it'd be a brave <coughs> man who'd put his house on, on any one of these three teams because it looks pretty challengingly close at the front. So I, I have no idea. We're going to have to work well in FP2 and FP3 to uh, to be able to, to be able to do well in qualifying and, and in the race and and at the moment it's it's too difficult to say whether whether that's going to happen which I guess is fun for everyone else but a bit more stressful for us mm -hmm. okay thank you Paul um, this weekend you're taking a lot of penalties I suppose with Suzuka in mind um, how important is it for Red Bull to perform well in Japan? home race of Honda? Well, we haven't taken penalties here solely for Suzuka. Um, we are in our first year with Honda and if you look at it, we've not sort of had an engine fail or anything like that. All the engines in the pool are still there as part of the program to sort of get ourselves um, more competitive. We've opted to take just five places here. It will dent us from necessarily being with these guys on lap one but uh, it's looking beyond Suzuka, we're well into next year. It would be nice for us to go well in Suzuka, wouldn't it? But I dare say the gentleman to my left will have something to say about that. Okay, thank you, Paul. And Mario, recently confirmed that there will be an extra tyre test in October next year. Which teams are gonna participate in that test and what are you expecting to achieve at that test? Uh, the target of the test is to finalize the development for 2020. We had some additional requests in uh, June and July, so it was difficult to change uh, uh, our development at that time. And uh, we made a proposal to have uh, an extra test to test uh, new compounds with a wider working range, especially on the hard levels. That is not possible in uh, Port Ricard. That was the last test in September, and luckily, uh, three guys were available to run the test, so we will have uh, one day each uh, Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull. That is uh, uh, a very good opportunity for us to finalise the product for next year. OK, thank you, Mario. Let's open this to the floor now. Please remember to give your name and publication. First question, please.
Scott Mitchell from Autosport. Uh, to James, Lauren and Paul, please. Well, we don't have the finalised 2021 rules yet. You've had bits to look at, things that may or may not change. How, how much progress or, or exploration have you been able to do with these rules and how intense is that going to make it behind the scenes now you've got this season to finish, 2020 to focus on and then a big rule change in 21? Who should we start with? James, should we start with you? Yes. Um, well, big rule changes are pretty challenging whenever they come. Uh, this one is certainly, as drafted, a lot, lot bigger than most. Um, and that will, will make it extra specially challenging. I would say that, uh, however, the, the precise nature of those rules is, is still being discussed. Um, and so the actual amount of work that can be done right now is, is relatively limited because precisely where those rules shake out is, is not, yet, not yet fixed. But it's going to be difficult. Laura, your thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think on, on that front, we have been uh, pretty much repeating the, the same thing all the way through. You know, um, it's, um, it's, we, have, we have a very good show right now. Uh, and, and we are always a little bit cautious about having such a big change of the magnitude that James described coming uh, because it could be a lot of unintended consequences and, and it's something we are still obviously discussing uh, with, uh, with, with the stakeholders uh, to make sure we, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't end up with something that is not as good as what we have now. Um, so, you know, as far as Ferrari is concerned, uh, we always felt that uh, uh, Formula One DNA was uh, having very different cars and, and therefore um, the idea of having uh, some areas very very much standardized and some other areas uh, with with more limitation is, is is something that we are we are still hoping to get uh, to get into a better place for 2021 thank you Paul to answer your question directly it's a big challenge isn't it because we we want to challenge these guys <laughs> next year we are obliged to look at the draft 2021 regulations now and as has been discussed the negotiation is ongoing as to how they will fall out so our resources are being pushed and pulled in many directions and uh, the change proposed for 2021 is enormous it's not an evolution as we did from 16 into 17 you may argue and yeah it's going to be mighty challenging thank you next one please Peter Rankin, Racing Lines and RaceFans.net. Uh, to all four of you, how difficult is it to squeeze this, uh, this additional tyre test into the schedule, particularly given the logistics between now and the end of the year? And then to, uh, to all the three team representatives, which drivers will you be using? And James, will it be uh, Esteban Ocon? Let's start with Paul this time. Uh, very, very difficult indeed. You know, we are... As was just asked, yeah, we're heading to Suzuka, and uh, clearly with Honda we want to be in best shape we can be, and now we're being pulled to Barcelona as well, so it's mighty challenging. We will do it. We've said we will do it. We'll run a car. Uh, I think at the moment Mr. Dennis is down to drive it. Jake Dennis, I believe, is going to drive it. Uh, he's driven our car plenty of times before. He'll be fine. He'll do a good job for us, and uh, yeah, we'll go and do a tyre test. Laurel. Well, you know, I think uh, James mentioned it earlier, and, and Mario as well. Uh, we have been we have been asking so many times 
uh, thanks to Pirelli, uh, I think it was only our duty to be able to do these tests when they actually ask us to go and, uh, and, and test these, uh, these latest evolutions. So yes, logistically it is complicated. Uh, Sebastian will drive there and at the very end of the test he will just fly straight to, to Japan. Uh, but we felt it was, again, uh, a duty towards everything we're asking to Pirelli to, uh, to, to support the fact that we all want better tyres and, and that was the best way to achieve that. Thank you. James? Similar story. It's, it's tough, but it's doable. Um, and the, the aim of getting better tyres is, is a noble one. Um, we're just leaning heavily on people who are knackered, but, but they'll, they'll step up and, and do it. Um, and, uh, and in answer to your specific question, I think Esteban is going to drive it. Thank you. And from Pirelli's point of view? Uh, we, we are grateful to, to the, this team that uh, accepted to test for us. Obviously, I fully understand it's a big effort for them uh, to feed the tire test in a calendar that is uh, very, very busy. It will be the same next year with an additional race. So we are finalizing also the plan for next year. But uh, testing is uh, very important for us. We, we need to validate our tires on track. We cannot change the product dur during the year. So we have to do the the best we can do during the season in order to homologate uh, a good product for the following season. And uh, the only opportunity is to have a proper test calendar. So I understand how difficult it is. And uh, thanks to not just these three teams, but all the teams, because in previous test sessions, all the teams were available to test for us. Uh, we, we can do our job. So we have a lot of uh, requests, different requests coming from different people. We are trying to summarize them in order to have a, a, a share document uh, with everybody agree on that. Uh, and uh, we try to do our job in the best possible way. Thank you. Next one. Lawrence Edmonds and ESPN. <clears throat> Lauren, you mentioned uh, there might be some unintended consequences of these 2021 20, changes to, to all the three team representatives. Uh, do you also share that concern? And if so, uh, what is it that's concerning you? Start with Paul. Um, well, I can't put words into Laurent's mouth. We have concerns over the draft regulations. Um, I think it would be inappropriate to share them as individual items in this forum. Um, as has been discussed, you know, the negotiation is ongoing, and if we don't participate, we can't influence it. If we have concerns, we will raise them. If they're the same as Ferraris, then uh, it probably adds to the argument. But uh, yes, there are concerns as to the, the uh, nature of the rules and the drafting thereof. Laura. I think, as, as we discussed before, you know, we are we are completely in in, in favour of of things that could reduce costs and you know and financial regulations and, and budget cap and, and so on. We are a bit more uh, nervous and cautious for what it means for Formula One when it comes to getting the cars to uh, uh, look alike or getting the cars to be uh, uh, having a lot more standard parts. That's basically where where the difference lies. Um, we we could also add that uh, ironically going to uh, get ready for these 2021 regulations as actually uh, a significant cost implication when it goes to when it comes to the R&D work that needs to be done. Paul touched a little bit on that earlier, but you, you have to run different programs in parallel and it comes at a cost. James? Uh, not too dissimilar to, to the other two. Um, I just preface it by saying that the discussions about what 
the what the regulations will be are still ongoing so you don't want to get into too much detail but the the concerns do all fall in the in the sort of striking the right balance between um, between the the desire of a team to be able to produce performance differentiation by by good design by good engineering um, and and the 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 desire of the sport to sort of equalize out things you know the sport is to a degree uh, a sort of darwinian competition and uh, and that that's part of its spice and i think the there needs to be a good balance struck between those the the desire of of the individual teams to fight for their their best best opportunities and uh, and the desire maybe of of the owners to to sort of level everything out and uh, and have it, have it uh, so that any team on any day could win. Thank you. Next one. Beatrice Zamuner, Motorlat. Lauren, uh, given Ferrari's momentum, are you planning on bringing any further updates for the rest of the season or are you just focusing on next year and 2021? I think it's that time of the year where we are all uh, switching our attentions to 2020. So I don't think there will be uh, anything significant from now to the end of the season. Uh, as you mentioned, on top of that, you also need to start thinking about what's going to happen next to the shortened series. Uh, there won't be anything uh, significant anymore. Thank you. Next. Thank you. Valery Kartashev, Racing News Agency, Moscow. Uh, my, questions, uh, my question is to you three team representatives. Uh, how many people uh, work directly on a car in your team? And how difficult is it going to be for you to keep all of them in a team with a budget cap coming? James, can we start with you this time? Uh, what, what do you mean by work on the car? Okay, well, th forgive me, that's not actually a number I'd want to share in public, because um, why, would, would, why would we just volunteer that? Um, but uh, it's, it's, you know, a reasonable number of people, both in engine world and, and chassis world. And uh, our challenge will be to, to take the budget cap as a new set of uh, regulatory constraints, just as the moment we have to meet a mass limit or um, we have to set our car out to get the maximum amount of downforce within the constraints of the Article 3 parts of the regulation. Now we also have some financial regulations and it's really very diff no different dealing with those than it is dealing with, with uh, all the other constraints that you face when designing and making a car. And our challenge will be to read those regulations, uh, take them as they're written and just figure out how to make the quickest possible car within those constraints. And it'll be an interesting challenge, but, uh, but one that, like every other regulation change there's been, we've sort of tried to rise to. Laura, anything to add? Very similar to James. Uh, we'll be looking at it as, as a new set of regulations that we'll try to comply to. And, uh, and uh, yes, so people will always be put at the first, at the first place. So, you know, the priority will be with first to, to, to protect the, uh, the workforce and the, and the structures before thinking to, uh, to get something else. 
Similar, really. We don't build the team structure for, um, uh, shall we say, to have fat in there, so everybody has a significant role. We'll try to protect all of those. We'll comply with the financial rules. There's still a little bit of drafting going on, and uh, yeah, we will adapt and comply and go on from there. Thank you. Next one. Peter Rankin, Racing Lines and RaceFans.net. Um, to the three uh, team representatives this morning, the FI announced that it had postponed the brake tender. What were the cost, safety and performance implications of standardised brakes, please? Paul, start with you this time. Unclear at this moment in time. The draft specification was being prepared. Um, from what we saw, there were potential cost savings but equally there were some specification changes required to be able to run the, all the parts as we currently run them, and that was not, for me, concluded. Um, there were quite significant changes in some areas, so all said and done, I couldn't actually tell you exactly what it was because we hadn't finalised our work. Laura? I think, I think it's, it would be very difficult to put a number on it uh, for all the reasons that are linked to, um, you know, the... Uh, lack of full definition of the 2021 20, regulation, so it would be difficult to project how much we will actually save. There would be a saving for sure, uh, because we will stop doing some, some R&D work and, and so forth and so on. Nevertheless, um, um, you know, we'll never discover that number right now, and I think uh, you, would, you will only be able to put a figure on it only after a year or two of, of operations, when you know the regulations, when you know what the car looks like, and, and you know what is actually your, your need. So. Um, a bit early on for that. Uh, I haven't got much to add to what the other folk have said. I think it's a pragmatic decision. Uh, breaks are very long lead time items. You have, to, you have to decide where you're headed with them quite a long time before you use them. And the picture is, is too open. The destination of the 2021 regulations is too open at the moment to design with confidence a standard set of stuff that then the entire grid is saddled with for that year if we get it wrong. It is pragmatic to step back, see how things develop and then reconsider in the future, perhaps under less pressure when, when the regulations are not being fought on all fronts. Thank you. Next one. Scott Mitchell from Autosport, uh, to all, all three team representatives again, please. You've all talked about the significance of the 21 changes and the fact that we don't have defined rules yet. So given that the season is 18 months away, what would be the ideal start time for you to be working on these cars? And when you get this defined rule set, is that going to be enough time to do things exactly the way you want to do them? James, if we can start with you. Um, well, a sort of facile answer to that is there's always enough time. It just depends, that, you know, the quality of what you do changes depending on how much time you have. There was a time, I'm sure you remember, where Braun team managed to put a brand new engine in their car and win a championship in, in a matter of a few weeks um, because they had to do it. So you, you can do a lot of things in a, in a short amount of time, but the standard sort of lead time for uh, working on a new car is a little over a year, so you want to be working uh, sort of November, December of, of the year before the year before, um, so 14 months or so. A bigger rule change, you'd, you'd maybe want a bit more of a run-up at it than that, um, but 
that if, if there were less time, you still do it. It just it just be a bit more of a of a of a finger in the air job. Oh. Very similar to to James, I think uh, you know as as James said, we could uh, we could uh, make up the time for most most of the items. You will just deliver something a, a bit more rough, and I think in that specific case, it's it's probably more more important that we we get the regulations right. Uh, even if it comes at a later stage, even if it means something is is delayed to the following years, uh, than to than to have something early that that we are then uh, not happy with. I think as long as it would be preferable to have rules that we all agree on before we embark, and if that pushes it back a little bit, we can still do a car, and whoever's finger is lucky in the air may well be lucky at the start of the season. You never know. Um, it would also depend on how we choose to divvy up our resources for the 2020 car. So we have, uh, uh, should we say, our own resources to deploy, and the time question, well, it's the same for all of us once we get going, and uh, we'll do it. Thank you. Next one. Lawrence Edmondson, ESPN, again for the three team representatives. One alternative that's been proposed to uh, standard parts is open source parts. Do you think that's something that could work? Is there any fundamental issues with doing that? And would it also um, help to reduce costs, but maybe in a different way? Paul. Uh, Rebel is supportive of the open source proposal. Um, what parts you put in and take out needs a little bit of thought. Um, I think it protects the sport from um, any errors in the standard parts that could take us into 2021 with sort of legacy of, of problems and difficulties, and we're happy to participate in that open source uh, proposal. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's uh, it's it's better than to have standard parts for all the reasons Paul explained. Uh, it's probably slightly complicated to come up with yet another way to uh, to classify parts for for the F1 cars, but uh, we, we are supportive of the fact that if it can avoid you know, risk um, associated with with uh, having to have parts to third parties, and then it's uh, it's a good news. Um, it's a quite a new idea, and a reasonable amount of chatting is going to be needed to turn it from promising concept into a deliverable reality. Um, but it, like the others, I think it's worthy of exploring. I think it will take a degree of patience, because. Anything that's open source, imagine we're coming up to 2021, everyone designs right up to the wire and then releases and goes racing. So you couldn't sit there waiting for the open source design to come from a competitor thinking, I won't do that myself, I'll just wait for it to appear on the internet. Because by the time it appeared, it would be too late. So really you're talking about a, th a, a system that will build up over the seasons and a database of data that, that will effectively mean that the, the, the best design eventually percolates through all the teams and, uh, and it ceases to be an area where any of us would particularly want to spend development money because a good design is out there. But it will, that's the thing that will require a little bit of patience. But I think it, it is a fairly robust way, if you have that patience, of, of making progress. Thank you. Any more? Sandro Gargantini of Autosprint, question for uh, Laurent on the FDA. Uh, you are also in charge of this program. We know Charles is coming from the UNUR uh, program. This weekend uh, we have uh, Robert Schwarzman that is very well positioned 
Francesco to put uh, his hands on the title. So I would like to ask you, how does uh, uh, Ferrari consider the, the junior program? How is he investing in this and think it's the right direction to, to, grow, ta to, do, to grow talents? Well, I, I think the, the answer is in the question. You know, the fact that we have Charles in the car today for us is uh, is 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 you know the, the most straight answer to that. Uh, he's coming from our driving academy. Has been with us for years. It's been incredible to see him growing through that academy and not to see him uh, running the the, the the red car. Uh, we have seven drivers um, from 15 to 19 years old that uh, that are lining up uh, next uh, in the academy. Um, as you said, Robert Schwartzman has a, has a good chance to, uh, to fight and hopefully to, to win the, the F3 title this weekend. So uh, it, means, it means that the, you know, the next generation is pushing and, and for us it's completely key to uh, what's going to happen post-2021. Post and, um, and it's certainly something that we are uh, taking uh, very much as a central point of our strategy. Well, we're talking young driver programs. Perhaps, Paul, you could tell us a little bit about what's going on with the Red Bull program. Well, we have numerous contacted drivers, and they're all still with us the following year. Uh, we're incredibly lucky to have such a talent pool, and we'll do our utmost to draw the best from it. Thank you. James, anything about Mercedes young drivers coming through? Uh, no, nothing that I'd wish to share here. <laughs> okay. That's all we've got time for, gentlemen. Good luck this weekend, and a full transcript of this press conference will be available shortly at FIA.com.